You are listening to a Jesus Film Project podcast, The Unheard Story, where we tell stories that the world needs to hear. Welcome to the Unheard Story podcast, where we tell stories that the world needs to hear. I'm your host, Laura Melama, and I'm here with Joe Melama, my host, and we are so excited. Hi. We're so excited. We have such a special guest today. Please welcome Paul Eshelman. Thanks for being on here, Paul. Oh, joy to be with you. So, Paul, this is a really fun podcast for us. Part of the reason it's fun is because you were right at the beginning of the Jesus Film Project. And so we want to hear a little bit about that. We want to hear about sort of part of the story. I know you've written a book that goes into some detail about this, but it'd be fun to hear for the podcast listeners, you know, maybe your background in crew and Campus Crusade, I think it was called at the time, and then um, how you became involved to be a producer at, um, of the Jesus film, how you met Bill Bright and how all that started. Yes, uh, that's, that was an exciting time of history. Uh, when the Jesus film was developed in the middle 70s, uh, there were a lot of outreaches across the United States and across the world. And uh, one of those was called the I Found It campaign. And during that time, uh, we ran media campaigns in 250 cities, and we had people try to find out what uh, what is it that you're looking for. And... Uh, they responded to the media campaign, I Found It, New Life in Christ. And uh, during that time, Dr. Bill Bright, who is the president of Campus Crusade for Christ, felt like um, we ought to be thinking about how to bring this into every major city in the country. And so we were about uh, this campaign of I Found It, New Life in Christ, in which um, many, many people were being called at their homes and are, were responding to mm. make their own commitment to receive Christ. But uh, Dr. Bright had felt like there were people who didn't read around the world and that there needed to be a movie on the life of Christ where Jesus could tell his own story and people could, could be challenged to make a commitment to find new life in Jesus Christ. So uh, I was heading up the campaign at the time. And uh, as with all national campaigns, there are some places that weren't doing so well. The, uh, mm. the pastors in Boston weren't sure that they uh, wanted to have the campaign come to their city. Uh, in Kansas City, they were out of, out of money and uh, couldn't do the media campaign. And so we decided that the best thing we could do would just be to pray for the whole next day and mm. ask the Lord to guide us into what we should do. And so we went up into the San Bernardino Mountains, and a friend had a, a cottage up there, and we uh, had just settled down on our knees to pray when uh, I received a phone call from uh, Dr. Bright's assistant saying that there was a film producer. Uh, at the headquarters with some Bible films, and Bill would like me to meet with him. And I just said to her, very frankly, uh, we uh, 
we've just set aside this day to pray. So I think we'll have to do it another day. <laughs> and I hung up. <laughs> and uh, soon, five minutes later, we got uh, a call back. And uh, it was Dr. Bright's secretary saying that uh, he wanted me specifically to meet with this man while he was there. And uh, I wow. understood it and said, yes, ma'am. And about <laughs> an hour later, uh, up driving into our, our cottage, there was John Heyman, a film producer from England. So that was the, the beginning time. Wow. And uh, during our time with him that day, uh, he showed us the first films that he had put together. I asked him about his own background, and I said, John, uh, what a great vision you have of putting the Bible on film. Uh, what has been your uh, experience in the past? And he began to share his story of how he'd grown up as a Jew in Nazi Germany, and that mm -hmm. as a child, uh, he would come down to breakfast every morning, and he would see his mother in tears as they received word that another, yet another one of their 183 mm -hmm. relatives had been killed in the gas chambers. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, wow. he said, uh, I, I said, what, it's, what has it been like to begin to put the Bible on film. And he said, I, I would have to say that I've been searching for God for 20 years. And I said, well, mm -hmm. we're, we're grateful that you have begun on the project. Would you mind if I prayed for you? And he said, no, not at all. Please pray for me. And as we finished the prayer, he wiped the tears out of his eyes and said, I, I, have, a, I have to go to England this week, but... I'll be back next week, and we need to talk again. And uh, yeah. a, a week later, he drove out from Hollywood, and I took him to a little drive-in restaurant on Highland Avenue in San Bernardino. And uh, he said, I've been preparing for our, our meeting here all week. He said, I have two questions. Who, how did you receive Christ into your own life? And what do I need to do? And so I went through the gospel with him that day in that little restaurant. And when we went out, I said, John, is this uh, something you'd like to do to invite Christ to come into your life? And he said, I, I couldn't do it right now. I would feel like I'm turning my back on six million Jews mm. that died in the gas chambers. But mm. I want to talk again. And over the course of the next year and a half, I met him in different places throughout the world, always with the same uh, agenda for us to talk about why he should make this commitment to Jesus. And one day, uh, a year or so later, he called me up and he said, well, I did it. <laughs> I, said, I wow. said, John, what did you do? He said, open the door. Wow. You mean the door of your, your heart and life? Yes. I've invited him to come in. Oh. And uh, that that began what we see today in, in the Jesus film because he began, he went to one of our fundraising uh, seminars some weeks later. And uh, during that time, he gave his testimony of how he had re personally received Christ. And <laughs> um, he, he began to talk to Dr. Bright about doing a film on the life of Christ. Mm -hmm. 
and um, I I was fortunate to get to assigned to that project and move my family to New York to begin oh, wow. work on what became the Jesus film. Oh wow! And what year was that? So I moved my family to New York in 1978 uh, to begin work on the production of the Jesus film. I never knew the background, and so that was the director. Yeah, so John Heyman was the director of the film. Yeah. He, uh, he had famous credentials uh, throughout the world. He won the Cannes Film Festival three times. He was a not only a producer, but he was exclusive agent for Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, uh, Andre Previn, Burt Backrack, Shirley Bassey. He, uh, he went from there into film financing, and so he financed films like The Longest, the Longest Yard, Heaven Can Wait, Gandhi, mm. uh, wow. Black Sunday, and uh, other, other hits in Hollywood. But uh, he had, he'd been an uh, agent for Elizabeth Taylor. One day he received a, a wire from her. She was filming a uh, film in Mexico. And the film said, come quick, bring Hershey bars. <laughs> and he thought, oh, what am I doing with my life? I'm, uh, oh. I'm, I'm spending it in worthless ways. And so he, he shut his film agency down, um, wow. borrowed $5 million from um, uh, a, a whiskey company that he knew and set to work to make the film Jesus. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And then fast forwarding some time, you have the, we would love to hear the story of the Russian premiere. Is that soon after yeah. the release or was that a little while after? Oh, I guess well, it would have to be a different language. Yeah. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. The film was com completed in 79. It actually was uh, released in 79 in North America. Went on HBO, then the movie channel and uh, began its commercial release across uh, 250 theaters across the U.S. And the, after that, we began the translation and duplication of the film for release uh, all across the world. And at that time, uh, we, we assigned 12 people to work across the Soviet Union and attempt to sign uh, contracts with the, the theater companies in each of those uh, each of those areas, mm -hmm. and of course the big challenge was to go to Russia and to get it released in the Soviet Union. Yeah. And uh, as we were sitting one day in in Moscow, we were thinking about how how could this happen? We'd just been uh, followed up to our room in the Ruski Hotel in in Moscow. And uh, we, we watched them as they went in. Uh, they left the door of the listening room open, and we saw them there listening to uh, all these rooms, and including our own that was next door. And so we decided that every day we were there, we would we would read the Bible to them. And mm -hmm. uh, I would just begin in the morning by saying, I "Want to say hello to you men there in the listening room? Today we're going to be reading out of the Psalms." in the Holy Bible. If you have one, just open it up to the middle. We'll be reading from Psalm 23 and, and so forth. So I don't, uh, 
I don't know if they listened to all of it or not, but we were blessed by reading the Bible out loud and it was a good time for yeah. us. But we were we were praying that the Lord would show us how can we release the film in the Soviet Union? And as we yeah, talked to amazing. people, they would they would say, Well, you need to get this film on the black market and <laughs> uh, get guys that are on the KGB that can give you protection. So we uh, we hired a guy to be our agent. And uh, he said, you know, if you want to get this, the fastest part of the black market starts down in Georgia, which is, uh, which was a kind of a country uh, controlled by the Soviet Union at that time. Hmm. And uh, so we brought tickets for Tbilisi, Georgia, uh, to go down there. And after about a year and a half of negotiations, uh, they agreed to do the translation of the film into the Georgian language and to show it in their commercial theaters. And uh, for, for me, when finally that day came, when we were no longer followed by the KGB, but they had their Chaika limousines meeting us at the airport and sent us through the downtown area of Tbilisi, Georgia, the capital uh, city, where there were over 500 people gathered by invitation only, members of the Communist Party, who for the first time were going to get a chance to see a film on the life yeah. of Christ. Yeah. I, I remember it was just jammed that night. They gave us some seats right in the middle of the, the front of the theater, but uh, they were seated on all of the steps uh, up up and down the theater. And then it got very quiet when the film uh, started, and it was throughout the film, just very reverent. And when it got to the end of the film, uh, one of the uh, controlled people came over and asked if uh, we, were, we wanted to show the whole film. And uh, I said yes. The whole film included a an invitation to receive Christ at the end of the film. And uh, I didn't know what would happen when that came on, but nobody moved, nobody said a word. And five minutes later, the narrator on the film says, if tonight you would like to receive Christ as your savior, you can, you can repeat this prayer to yourself and to God as I pray out loud. And uh, we, had, we hadn't said anything about praying silently, so you could hear people across the whole auditorium there just praying the prayer, Lord Jesus, I need you. I open my life to you. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. Take control of the throne of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. And uh, when the narrator said, uh, Amen. Um, uh, they all be, all stood to their feet and began to applaud. And for the next um, half hour or more, nobody moved from their place. They just stood there uh, applauding. And they would uh, come up to us after uh, we, we had a reception afterwards, and they would come up and they would they would grab their hearts or their chest and then point to us, telling us 
giving us their love and showing their appreciation. And uh, we also passed out some comment cards to say we would be interested in knowing what you thought about this film tonight, and especially the invitation to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And there were incredible things. One, uh, one man said, uh, we, we need this film more than bread. And uh, wow. another, uh, another lady said, you don't know how our hearts are so hungry for hearing about God. It was, I, I can remember talking to a political leader after that. Uh, showing that night and and he said you don't understand we have never seen a film about God like this and it is very clear what our people are saying tonight that this film is about God we are Georgians and we believe in God and uh, no matter what you say we are going to show this film in our commercial theaters and tell people about God. It was it was an uh, wow. incredible time. Uh, the most incredible weekend. I was asked to speak the next mm -hmm. morning in the largest uh, sure. Orthodox cathedral in the country, and uh, the head of the uh, bishop of of that whole area down there said that. We have just gotten our first new translation of the New Testament in the Georgian language. And I want all of you to buy one of these New Testaments and I want you to read it every day in your homes. So it was uh, great. We, as the film spread across uh, Russia and the so former Soviet Union, we uh, told them that we had copies of the script available if people would like to get them. And then everybody wanted to order up extra <laughs> copies of the script, yeah. which was actually the Gospel of Luke. Oh, uh, that so was cool. printed because it had color pictures out of the film. Oh, and in wow. the next two months, we printed over 12 million copies of the Gospel of Luke for distribution. Oh, my goodness. In, wow. uh, all, all the theaters across the Soviet Union as it, the, the, as the film played there. That's incredible. Paul, um, tell us a little bit, you, you kind of alluded to this earlier, that the film was translated into the Georgian language. Um, what's been your experience um, when people hear and see, well, they see an audio or they see a visual film but then they hear the gospel of Luke in their own language. What does that mean to people? And what is, what is your experience been seeing the response? Well, I've never been to a showing of the Jesus film where there wasn't a response. Yeah. Because people, not everybody likes it all. Not everybody, people says I would say that I'm ready to accept the message, but uh, it has been a, tremendously well-received film in the people in the hundreds of millions have, have seen the film. Uh, and it has been especially meaningful to people who can't read. I was uh, riding into a village in Central Africa 
several years ago. And um, uh, when, when the, the little kids saw our Jeeps, they came running alongside of our Jeeps, uh, yelling something out. And I said to the interpreter, what are they saying? He said, they're saying, uh, they're saying something like car or, or something like that. But they had never seen a Jeep. And so they were wondering what it was. That, uh, that night, we went to a place where a number of people had been, uh, 180,000 people had died the year before in a, in a famine. Uh, and the little, the few uh, foodstuffs that they had um, were, were not enough to them. And I saw that, that they had been drinking up their seeds, their seed corn, and turning it into liquor. And so there wasn't enough for the people to eat during the last year. Uh, and uh, the next day when we were in a village, I asked if I could talk to some of the people there to see what they knew about Jesus. And they, uh, they, they encouraged eight or ten people to come for my little interview, and I asked them one by one, have you ever seen, uh, if, do you know anyone named Jesus? Have you ever heard the story of Jesus? Uh, and sometimes they answered with questions like, does he live in Nairobi now? But uh, finally, we were down to just one little eight-year-old boy. And uh, I said, just ask him to tell me anything at all he's ever heard about Jesus. And uh, I looked down at this little boy, and there a tear ran down his cheek. And his, the interpreter said, sir, he would like to tell you about Jesus, but he has just never, ever before heard his name. Wow. And I thought that night, you know, that I'm only one person, but whatever I can do to help people to see the, the, the film and to know about Jesus, I don't care if they're men, women, or little boys and girls. Everybody deserves at least one opportunity to hear the message of Christ. And uh, that's the great joy of showing this film and of watching it with others when they, they see that people can find the Lord through the showing of this film. Paul, I, I know that one of your passions um, that you just spoke about is that everybody should get an opportunity to hear the gospel and hear about Jesus. Um, I know that you've been involved in a number of ministries, like, for example, finishing the task. Um, what what has been your vision um, for that? I, I understand, you know, in connection with unreached, unengaged people groups, um, you've been doing a lot of work in the past couple decades or practically your whole life. Um, can you speak to that and in um, what what your vision is in connection with unreached, unengaged people groups and the Great Commission? Well, Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them all things that he's commanded us. And he said that he would be with us. But our only, our, our only command from him is to make disciples, that is, followers that will go after and understand and share him with their friends and neighbors. And so uh, about 20 years ago, we put together 
a coalition of ministries, over 400 of them uh, from various denominations and churches and, and uh, confessions, and just set out to try to show the film to as many people in the world uh, that we possibly could. And uh, in these last uh, 20 years, um, we've been able to, to translate the film into uh, almost uh, uh, 2,000 different languages. We're finishing a new translation every three or four days. And wow. uh, we are really hoping that uh, many thousands will join us to take the film to those people who've never had uh, one chance uh, to hear the message. And that has been happening now. Uh, we, we're in the, in the New Testament where it says make disciples of all nations. Those are not countries in the way we might think about it as we look at a map, but they are peoples or people groups. And uh, there, there are over 12,000 people groups in the world. 20 years ago, uh, we, we saw that there were still about 36 or 3,700 people groups that had no, uh, no church, no known believers, nobody planning to go to those places. And uh, since 2005, uh, we've, we've seen about 33,000 or 3,500 of these groups that now have their first believers, their first churches have been planted, and we're we're looking to finish up maybe two or three hundred more, which will uh, be the majority of those people groups that uh, in the past have had no uh, no Bible, no believers, no body of Christ, no church in that that area but they're now hearing the message and we thank and praise God for all of his uh, provision for us during this time. That's so exciting. Um, you know, you, you've been dealing with, uh, or you've been involved with reaching unengaged, unreached people groups for decades now. Um, where, where do you see the future? What, um, if, if you could describe what you see happening right now and where you see us in the next five years um, in terms of the evangelistic outreach, um, you know, where, where do you see the future? Oh, great, great question. Uh, I think this is going to be the most exciting time in the history of the church. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're a group of guys who call themselves the Coalition of the Willing, that are getting together now to make sure that we know every location where there are where are no believers and no church. And we haven't been able to do that in the history of the world, but now we're beginning. Uh, they're, they're generating maps now for us of every part of the world, and those maps are, are color-coded. Nobody will be uh, put on the spot or or be arrested for being a believer because the maps will be only uh, known by the colors of them to the people 
who have an interest in going to those places where nobody's ever gone. So many times we go to the same place as somebody went before because it's easier. And uh, the same people are always uh, forgotten about. And uh, I, th I think uh, if you get a chance to get involved in with this, you ought to take in, in your country, wherever, or your portion of every country, uh, just sign up and say, I'll take this territory and we'll find out uh, who hasn't heard the message yet and ask God to show us how we can do the best to take the gospel to these places. I think we'll find many of them near where we live and that will make uh, this such an exciting time as people get a chance to hear how they can know for sure that they can live eternally with God when they die. Oh, that's great. I love that encouragement. Um, I want to go back to the beginning real quick. And I heard about something called Explo 72. Um, and the reason I want to bring that up is I'm sure you said, I know you said many encouraging words to people just to go. Is God calling you and go? And could you leave us with something for the youth and even us that, you know, how would you encourage us? Where do we start with, you know, living a life of fulfilling the Great Commission? One of the reasons that I am excited about what's going to be happening in, in the time period ahead is because I know there's going to be a, uh, a renewal uh, kind of of the same uh, big religious festival that was held uh, 25 years ago in Dallas, June 12 to 17, 1972. They're going to uh, do a reprise of it on June 22nd and 23rd in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, a wow. young uh, talker about Jesus, whose name is Nick Hall, will be speaking. But uh, mm -hmm. some of the old music groups that performed at that time will be coming back. Wow, I love it. Bring a whole pile of uh, folks with you. And uh, it was yeah. at that time we ask those people who um, had found Christ uh, to, uh, to stand. There were over uh, 10,000 who had received Christ during the course of the week that we were there. Wow, and then, amazing. then we asked at a candlelight service uh, to pass their, their candlelight on until the whole cotton mm. bowl was a flame and uh, we again will be challenging those who come uh, for that time to not only know Christ themselves but to take it to the whole world so uh, if we don't see it's you before exciting. we look for you in the cotton bowl <laughs> yeah, June 22nd of next year well hey Paul thanks so much for your time today um, I know it's going to be encouraging to our listeners I know it's been very encouraging to me just to hear, you know, from the beginning what God's been doing and how he's been using the Jesus film as, as a huge evangelistic tool. Um, and I love your vision about UUPGs and going out into the places where we haven't been. Um, and, and so I, I'm just fired up and encouraged um, from hearing you describe these things. So thank you very much. Thank you, Paul. You're welcome. God bless. If you've enjoyed the Jesus Film Podcast's Unheard Story and would love to get more involved with Jesus Film, we would encourage you to sign up to be an enthusiast. 
You can do this and find out more information about it at www.jesusfilm.org slash enthusiasts. It's a really easy, simple thing, and you can help spread what the Jesus Film is doing to all your friends and family doing social media. It explains more on the website, but after you sign up, you'll get an image sent to you weekly with text to put with it, and then you post it every week. And that's about it. So learn more about this by checking out www.jesusfilm.org slash enthusiasts. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Film Project Podcast, The Unheard Story, where we tell stories that the world needs to hear.